We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside my co-host, my partner in crime, Nate Green. Nate, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jared. How about you? I am not doing too bad. I'm excited to talk some baseball. We have plenty to talk about today, but first, as always, you know I like to start the show off with a question to get the brains going a little bit. So, as we know, the Angels are going to go after pitching. Whether or not they get it or not, that is still to be determined, obviously, between free agents. But Perry and staff have made it very clear that they will be going after pitching. For the sake of this argument, let's hypothetically say that the Angels, instead of pitching, go ahead and go get a shortstop. Pay to go get a shortstop. Out of the free agents that the Angels would pay for and pay big money for so, all the way up to from Carlos Correa down to Chris Taylor. I think that that's fair. That's a fair salary range because I think that that gives us enough to kind of talk about. Who would you want? Personally, I'd want Trevor Story. Um, I, there's a little bit of me that would kind of want Carlos Correa just because uh, Carlos Correa is very good at baseball, but I, I can't put him up there just because of him being like the worst of the Astros. Um, so Trevor Story is the guy for me. I think he's still under 30. He's 29. Um, he's played well. I'm, I think you might be able to get him a little bit cheaper than everyone else. Um, maybe Javier Baez might be the cheapest of the top four. Um, but I think Story probably gets the third most amount of money, maybe the fourth. And the biggest thing with Story is he plays, you know, that's kind of a big deal for the Angels is can you be on the field? If you can't be on the field, you can't be effective. I don't care what kind of numbers you put up. Um, if, if you can't play 140-plus games, it's it's a waste to pay you that much money. So that's the one thing I like about Trevor Story is he typically plays. Um, and so I know he had an injury this year. 
Uh, I think part of that was just him not liking where he was at and, you know, kind of being told, hey, you're you're going to be traded and then not being traded. So Trevor Story is the best, in my opinion, for price and longevity. And I think the fact that he would be able to stay at shortstop long term, you look at Correa and Seager's size, they, they could end up being third basemen just because of how big they are, but, you know, almost A-Rod-like. So for me, it's Trevor Story. What about you? I, I'm i with you. I think Correa is 1B for me. And 1A would be, Car- or would be not Carlos Correa, but 1, 1A would be Corey Seager. I really do. And am I allowed to kind of try to persuade people into thinking, per se, that the Angels should go get a shortstop? Like, let's let's try that right now, actually. Are there any arguments for the Angels to go and get one of these shortstops? I mean, of course, absolutely. There's always an argument to be made for whether the Angels should go get another offensive weapon or, or not. I mean... Let's persuade the people. Let's just, let's persuade people then, because I I I would like to be persuaded because I'm all for getting a shortstop that that solves your problem. Because you look at what the Angels what what do the Angels have a lot of in the minor leagues? Shortstops. Talented shortstops and ta- talented is a very very good word because there's a lot of talent down there, and we know the Angels have not necessarily produced. So the Angels could hypothetically look at trading some of those shortstops for pitching. If they found the right suitors for it, let's just say. If the Angels went long-term and say, like, I'm all for Trevor Story, too. I, I, I like Story. I think he stays there long-term. I think Seager stays there long-term. I think Seager's the best shortstop in baseball when he's healthy. And I think Correa's right up there with him, too. There's there's no arguments to get it against it, even though I think Correa's going to Detroit. I, I think that that's kind of a done deal. I think he's going back with A.J. Hinch. And, 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 and end of story there. But... Yeah, I, I I think there's an argument to be had, is as weird as this sounds. And people are gonna be like, Oh no, not this again, where where Jared tries to say like, oh the Angels need the Angels need more offense. It's I'm not saying the Angels need more offense. I think there's an argument to be had for the Angels in going and getting short getting a shortstop this offseason. One, because the Angels need a shortstop and, and and I would love to see the Angels go long term. But two, because the Angels have the depth it, down in the minor leagues four shortstops to be traded. And I think that there's talented shortstops, Jeremiah Jackson, Kyron Paris, Errol Vera, Adrian Placencia, just to name a few. I know there's there's quite a few more down there, but th- th- there's so many shortstops that the Angels have, and, and it's not a bad thing. I think that they can go get some pretty solid pitching for these shortstops. So I, I, I think that's part of my argument for, for going ahead and trying to maybe sign, sign a shortstop this, this offseason. I don't know. Do you have anything else? Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about the ability to trade their young shortstops. Another thing that, that gives the Angels um, some some reason to think about this is, is there a shortstop you can get that plays very good defense out there that can be got for very cheap? Or do we have a guy in the minor leagues that can play shortstop at a very, very high level defensively? Because... It looks like we've gotten a lot of a lot of pitchers who can get ground balls, and if you don't have a shortstop that can play defensively, and again, that that's part of the reason why I say you got to play 140 plus games because if you can't play defensively for 140 plus games, it's it makes it really tough to to count on you. So, 
can you find a guy cheap? I, I don't know. There might be a trade, but you would probably have to give up a decent amount because shortstop is a very valuable position. Um, the other thing to think about, there haven't been a lot of free agent pitchers that have gone on to be very successful with their with their new team. If you think of, maybe it's one or two years, but you're not seeing guys be successful for four, five, six years. Obviously, Max Scherzer's a different player. You know, he's he's the exception to every rule. He's you know going to be legit for a long time. But you look at other guys like Trevor Bauer didn't pitch this year for the Dodgers. Garrett Cole, he's been good. It's been two years. He's going to be a Cy Patrick Young. Cole, huh? He's going to win the Cy Young this year. Go on. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. But we can talk about that later. Yes. Patrick Corbin. Um, Patrick Corbin. Again, like, they paid him a lot of money. Yeah, they got their World Series. Has he been good since? No. Steven Strasburg uh, signed to a huge, huge contract, right? He's going to be a free agent, signed to a huge contract. Hasn't pitched. Um, you, you look at the guys who have been successful, like people will point to the Justin Verlanders and, and the Max Scherzers. Well, Max Scherzer's different. You know, like, he doesn't count. Justin Verlander was traded for. Um, a lot of these guys that have gone on to be very successful are trade pieces and extensions or or they've just been in their system. Like, that's one of my main arguments for drafting a lot of pitching because I think if you can draft a lot of pitching and they can be very good early – and you can let them walk in free agency, and you just keep bringing in young pitching to replace the the older pitching. These guys have thrown a lot of innings, and it is not a natural motion for these guys to be pitching every single day. That's why there's so many arm injuries. Um, and if we if we really want to sign a guy who's you know 31, 32, 37, like how long can we expect that guy to be good for? Some of these guys, like Noah Syndergaard's on his second Tommy John. That, that's not something that you're like super excited about. I love Noah Syndergaard. I think he's a really, really good pitcher. But two Tommy Johns, like, there's there's not too many people in the history of baseball who have pitched on a third Tommy John. So what what happens if he goes and we give him a five-year contract and he ends up needing Tommy John? Well, um, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what doctors say after your third Tommy John. Hey, you never want to pick up your arm again? Like literally, yeah. that's what they tell you yeah. after your set. Like after you have your second Tommy John, it's like, hey, if you blow out your elbow again, you're not playing catch ever again. Yeah. So so, so that's the argument for it. it. It would definitely allow you to go get some younger guys. Um, and there's teams that are willing to trade for younger younger prospects. Like I mean, Miami was was really close to doing it with us earlier. If they're willing to do that again, like I would be, I'd be definitely interested in doing something like that where you get a, a young controllable arm um i would also be interested in getting you know um a veteran who's got three two three years left and you can kind of develop some of these young guys the angels have drafted um so that's another option and i and i think that those teams that are getting rid of veteran pitchers that have maybe one to three years left on their contract those are the teams that want the prospects you know that's the Colorado Rockies. That's the Cincinnati Reds. That's um, those type of teams. Maybe even the Arizona Diamondbacks who have Zach Gallen, who, again, he's been really, really good. They, they trade Jazz Chisholm for him. So I, I think that there is some interesting things to think about. Now, am I saying that the Angels need to go sign a shortstop? No. 
I'm not. And, and would I be excited if they wouldn't get Corey Seager or Trevor Story or Carlos Correa? Like, I'm sure I would be. But I would also be like, okay, here we go again. Like, are we going to get a pitcher? Um, so the, the pitching needs to be addressed. It just depends on how you want to address it. Do you want to address it through trades or do you want to address it through free agency? And most pitchers coming into free agency are 30-plus years old with, you know, they've been pitching since they were 12. You add up the innings, and it's a lot of innings that's been on that arm. Yeah, very very compelling arguments for, for everything. And, and I'll also say this. I don't know what the market's going to look like for shortstops. As weird as this sounds, like there's there are, what, six, seven really good shortstops out there. Like I, I just, especially with the CBA, uh, which we'll talk about here here in a, in a few, I, I just don't know what the market's going to look like. Like Jacob talked about possibly trying to sign Javi Baez on a one-year deal. We don't, we don't think that's going to happen, but... But, I mean, something like that could happen. Like, if you could figure out a way to get, <laughs> I mean, hypothetically, Corey Seager or Trevor Story or Javi Baez for what you were going to give Rafael Iglesias, a one-year deal for 18 mil. I mean, not saying that any of these guys are going to sign this type of deal, but if you can get it around 20 to $25 million for one year, it's interesting. It's interesting, to say the least. And I don't know how it helps out the Angels. I don't know... It becomes it becomes interesting. Like I don't want to consider them a trade trip right away if the Angels aren't playing well. But I mean, you look at it down the road in July if the Angels aren't playing well, and you have Javi Baez or you have Trevor Story or you have Corey Seager, and they automatic then they become a trade chip. They really do, and it's it's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I like I said I'm not trying. I'm not trying to persuade. I know we just said that we were going to persuade, but I'm not trying to persuade anybody into thinking that the Angels need a shortstop. But it's an interesting argument to be had, to say the least. And heck, y- you never know. You really don't. And I, I wish I knew which way the Angels were going. I, I really do. But you know, I, I just don't think a lot of people do. I think that a lot of people know that the Angels are talking to pitching. We're seeing it every day, whether it's Stephen Matz or, or Robbie Ray or or anybody. You know, because I, I think the Angels have talked to every possible pitcher out there at the moment just to, you know, gauge the field. And I feel like that happens with every team. I feel like every team's going out there and talking to everybody. And Baltimore has has probably talked, asked what, asked Corey Seager's price is. And, you know, Baltimore probably isn't going to get Corey Seager, but you never know. It's just something, it's just something to think about. And that kind of gives us a topic to, to talk about, so... I'm with it. I think I like Corey Seager if if that happens. I think he's one of the best shortstops in baseball. You're with Correa or Story. I'm I'm all for it. I, I, I just think that if you can solidify shortstop, that's a pretty tough position to solidify. And that's why I liked Andrew and Simmons so much because he was so good defensively. And that's where you need defense. And you mentioned it. The Angels have a lot of pitchers that can that can throw ground balls, you know, and I, 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 not that I don't trust David Fletcher there, but I would prefer to have somebody who is a legitimate shortstop and a legit defensive threat there, you know, whoever it might be, you know, heck, even, you know, you go and look at a trade for, I've always thought Nick Ahmed might be kind of interesting or somebody like Paul DeYoung is, is another interesting piece as, as well. But I, I just don't, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing to think about because angels should be looking at shortstops and you know as 
as the year as this off season goes on, I think we're gonna learn more and more about you know the the plan of what's going on, and I think it involves pitching. So, Nate, very interesting conversation we just had there, but let's move on to a little bit of more interesting news. As we were talking, I guess some news came out about some CBA going on, and like we said, this is just gonna be a this is gonna be a rough off season. I. I guess our first question is, do we think a deal gets done before December 1st? No. I, I, I want to be hopeful, but, but I don't think it gets done December 1st. I, I think it, it takes a little bit. I hope that it gets done before the new year, though. Yeah, as do I. I don't want to go into 2022 without baseball. I, I don't even want to get close to March. I don't want to get close to February. Like, Let's just get this taken care of and... I don't know who to put the blame on. I really don't. Like I'm a all, I'm going to always side with the players because Major League Baseball is making a lot of money. Rob Manfred hasn't made the best decisions in the past and we all know that. And the owners also make a lot of money. So I, I I'm always going to side with with the players and the first thing that has I guess this kind of came out a while ago was that free agency would be automatically at 29 and a half instead of the six years or seven, depending on when they get brought up. I know we're both not in favor for this, but why are we not in favor for this? Well, then uh, it just gives the GMs way too much control. I mean, um, I mean, it kind of gives them the same amount of control they have right now, but it allows them to, to call up kids a little bit faster. So instead of right now, if they, if they were to call up, you know, Joe Adele's clock started. So let's say uh, Jeremiah Jackson. They call Jeremiah Jackson. His clock starts. He's got six years with the team. If I'm, if I know that the guy becomes a free agent at 29 and a half, I'm doing everything I can to call the guy up at 20. I'm drafting a bunch of high school kids and making sure that these guys are ready at 20 years old. So I get nine and a half years, most likely nine years of them. Um, possibly eight, I guess, depending on their age and, when they're born and stuff like that. But I mean, that's a whole extra two years before they're a free agent. If, if you do the math, I mean, Carlos Correa is one of the youngest free agents that we we've seen in a while. I mean, um, Harper and Machado were both around that age as well. So it's just, it, it gives them a lot more room to, to hold on to some of these superstars. Like, yes, we might get to see a Wander Franco or, you know, a top prospect like that a little bit earlier. And, and to, Imagine seeing Wander Franco earlier would be crazy because he still he came up at twenty. But imagine seeing that guy at nineteen. They have ten years of that guy. Exactly. It's it's tough. You know. It seems like you take. It feels like we take four like a, a two steps. Let's just call it two steps because I think that's all we really. It feels like we take two steps forward and one step, one giant step back. Like, we're like, oh, we're kind of getting there. And then it's like, ugh, wh- why, 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 why? And it's just difficult. You know, like, we, we, we've we talked about the minor leaguers getting getting housing. And Taylor Blake Ward mentioned it when I, when I talked to him. It was like, uh, you know, it's, it's a cool thing right now. It is. It's good. Let's wait and see what the ramifications are of this. Let's see how it all plays out next year. I mean, yes, they're going to get housing, but to what degree? Like, where are they getting housing? What are they... What are they doing? Like, it's, there are so many things. I just, it's, it's, it's very intriguing. And like I said, two steps forward, one step forward, two steps back. That, that's more what I meant, I think. That's, there we go. Yeah. 
one step forward, two steps back, and it's just it's 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 tough to see any type of deal getting done. I feel like I don't know if I should say this. I don't know if I can say this. I feel like I'm gonna burn some bridges, but Rob Manfred's an idiot. Like I that, that probably is not gonna burn any bridges, but Rob Manfred is just an absolute idiot right now. Like the owners are idiots right now. Like it's just it's it's tough to watch this. It really is, and I'm you know we've been seeing it for a while now, and 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 it's it's not a it's not a good thing. It really isn't, and I hate being political, but at some point you know this game's gonna get political, and it's gonna get political real quick here. I think, and it's gonna suck, and you know I think we're all gonna take the side of the players. No one wants to take the side of side of the owners, especially with things that Artie has done in the past, and whether you agree or disagree with them is not not you know, it, but, you know, it, it, you also look at what Rob Mansford, Rob Manfred's done in the past too. And whether you agree with it or disagree with it, it's just, it's going to be tough. That's, that's all I have to say moving forward. So one other thing that I feel like was good, uh, coming out of this CBA talk, they had a proposal per se. Um, and if, and if all good things they kept out of it, you know, we'd, we'd be, we'd be looking pretty good, but they won't. So Arb would be replaced by F4. And I am all for replacing Arb because Arb, the arbitration hearings and old school stats suck. Like we've been saying this for years now. Like there's no reason for a reliever to get paid on saves at all. And Nate, whether you like it or not, you know, that's just not the way it rolls. Like according to Arb, Rysel Iglesias is more valuable than Josh Hader and and so be like if that's the way you want to look at it and he very well could be but you know I I don't look at it that way Josh Hader is one of if not the best relievers in baseball because he's very valuable you know and I think he should get paid for that out of out of his arb years instead of going and and he doesn't because he doesn't compile saves you know I I mean I think just end the story with that so if you can find a better way and if that's Fangraph's war that's kind of cool, I think. I think there's flaws to war, and I think we've talked, we, you've talked about this before with me. But I just want to get your take on this R being arbitration being replaced by F war. It, it's definitely interesting. I, I do think it gives uh, it gives the owners and the general managers a little bit more power. Again, I think that's part of the the reason why. Um, they do this. This will this will definitely benefit teams that are not postseason teams. I think. Can I disagree? I think can I, can I disagree with you? Yeah, go ahead. Because when because you're looking at ARB and stats are it's stats based anyways. So if you're not playing if you're not playing if you're not playing a player, he's not hitting home runs. He's not producing. He's not going to get paid on the ARB side of things. I know, but knowing that guys they're, they're going to take games into account like when you're looking at all the numbers games played you're looking at home runs you're looking at rbis you're looking at average runs stolen bases all that that's what they're looking at right yeah. so they're going okay this guy played and he was pretty good when you look at at war it doesn't matter how many games you played like it just takes into account like how good you were and how valuable you were so if you're the oakland a's and you're matt chapman and you have a 3.3.0 war okay and the A's know 3.1 is an extra $5 million. Hey, we're out of it the last two weeks of the season. Maddie, you're, you're sitting on the bench. Like, we don't want you to get hurt. That's going to be our excuse. Please don't get hurt. Um, you're a, a big part of this future. And I just say $5 million because I'm the Oakland A's and that's all I care about is saving money. 
yeah, of course they want to win games, but but they want to save money. So if you're a team like the Dodgers or, or the Astros or the Yankees or the Braves who have been in the playoffs a lot recently, like you can't do that because you've got to be able to, to win games down the stretch and make the playoffs. So it's going to be a lot harder for you to, to sit guys and make sure that they can't get you know to that next war level or whatever the, the number is. So that's the one thing that I think could be tough about this is you could have teams start to try and manipulate it because there will be a system that says if you are 3.0 war, you're worth $6.5 million. I know that's way too high. But um, well, so this is this is kind of interesting that you bring this up, and I, I apologize for cutting you off there. But according to, and I, I and I think I could totally be wrong, but according to Fangraphs, this is where it gets interesting. You you scroll all the way down on Fangraphs, and it gives you how much a player is actually worth. It's kind of interesting to, if they would do that because there are years where Mike Trout has been worth ninety million dollars. If that makes sense. So I, I don't think th- this is where our flaw comes up with this is that you're not getting $90 million in ARB according to Fangraphs. And, and also, I, I think this, I believe Fangraphs said a win is worth nine or $12 million, if that makes sense. So yeah. I think that's, I think that's what it was. And I apologize if you mentioned that before, but yeah, you know, if that's the way they're going at it, and let's hypothetically say Mookie Betts is ARB eligible and he puts up a six war, six times 12, are you paying him that much in ARB? Like, that that's that's where it becomes interesting. Or six times nine, like, you're paying him $54 million the next year? Like, yes, he's worth it. But I, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I, I just kind of thought about that as, as you were mentioning that. Yeah, that's... But that's the thing is like right now ARB is kind of like um, depending on a couple people what they feel stats are important, right? That's that's what ARB is right now. So if you are going to put a exact number on this and say, hey, if your war is is five or six, a win is worth five million dollars. If you're five, one so, war is five million dollars per se. Okay, so so let's say you have a 4.9 war. I, I could be saving a couple bucks by making sure you don't play for two weeks to end the year because I know exactly what your war is. This is going to be public knowledge. Like Anyone's going to be able to go on fan graphs and be like, oh, hey, my, my guy's war is, is this. You know, it might be might be good if we, uh, if we don't plan this last two weeks. Question on top of that, at what point do you bring in postseason stats to ARB? And, and that's another thing too. Like, I think that postseason sets should be um, a little bit taken into account. Like, because most of the time, the reason that you're in the postseason is because that guy was good. Um, sometimes you'll get some guys who aren't that good who go off in the postseason. So I think it should matter a little bit. Um, it, it it could be unfair again to uh, some players on teams that aren't po- like playoff teams. So if you're always playing for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a long time, let's say the Angels who have made the playoffs in a long time, your war is not going to, or your money is not going to be the same as maybe maybe you have someone on the Dodgers who's like, hey, my my money that I'm getting between um, regular season and postseason is pretty good, and I'm actually making more than Mike Trout because my postseason's good 
and my regular season is pretty good. Like almost like if you took Chris Taylor this year and you said, "Hey, I'm going to take his regular season. He was an All Star, and I'm going to take his postseason. He hit you know six home runs. He went off. Uh, he's worth more than Mike Trout this year." It's like, uh, no. Like well, so, this, that's the thing that I would be afraid of. You'd also have to have postseason war. Like the more and more we think about this, like this is this is how screwed up baseball is right now. Because you know we start diving into these little these little rules, like we started this conversation off with arbitration, and it was like cool, like we're talking about fan graphs, but there are so many different things that can be played into this fan graphs. Like, well, what are we counting postseason? Uh, what if you know, like, what is a win worth? To what is a win worth? Because fan graphs says win worth is is worth this amount, and I'm not I. We've had like four or five of these episodes where we dive into stuff like this, and it's like constantly little things that continuously break, and I don't understand why. <laughs> if that's that, if that makes sense, it's super weird that I don't understand why. But like, there are so many things that contribute to a player getting paid. It's just astronomical to me to to try to figure this out. Like. I don't. You, you then you then have to have postseason war. Like at the end of the day, if this is the way we're doing it, or are you just basing it off of regular season war? Yeah, and I don't know that that answer. I think they would probably just go off regular season, and that's my biggest thing. Is like, hey, it's a number that's out there. Like this is, you know, I don't have to be in a front office to know what uh, Jared Walsh's war was this year. You know. I, I can look on fan graphs and tell you exactly what his war is. So what's stopping any front office from going on and looking, hey, this is his war. All right, right now he's projected to make X amount of dollars. Let's make sure that he can't make any more money because, you know, we're playing uh, Texas and uh, Baltimore to end, this, end the season for the last week of the year. And, you know, he's been raking out of his mind. So how about we just – Cool him off, sit him down, and make sure he doesn't make any more money for from us. How about because we're not going to the playoffs? How how about this as a resolution? And I don't know how far this one goes because it's not really, you know, you're not incorporating postseason war into this. And I don't think that postseason war should really be incorporated into this. But I I think it should be thought about. I think you need to have certain brackets if that makes sense. So if a player puts up zero to you have to include negative, which is kind of interesting. So negative 0.5 to um, zero, they get paid this amount. They are zero to 0.5, they get paid this amount. Like this is how I think this is kind of how you gotta look do it. I think when it's all said and done, you gotta have brackets if that makes sense. Brackets, you have to have spots levels for all of these players because you can't give, you can't put, you can't put an amount of money on a win if that makes sense. You can't. You can buy wins technically, and I don't. I'm not talking about that. You can't wins fan graphs war win wins above replacement. You cannot put a value on fan graphs war. I, I just don't think that's possible. As weird as that sounds, because there is so many differing views at it. You know, like I just don't. I don't think you can do it. I really don't. I think you need to put war into brackets, and that's how much a player gets paid. If that makes sense. Yeah. But again, it's still you're still going to go up the same problem. Like if if for some reason it's like in school, right? You you end with an eighty nine point nine five. You have that one teacher who's like, ah, I, I know this guy worked hard. I'm going to give him a ninety. It's an A. Okay. 
same thing could happen here. Like, I know I'm borderline um, between six million and seven million. You could have GMs who say, nope, I want to make sure he makes six million. So he's not playing for the last week of the year because we're not in postseason contention. We'll just say we're sitting him for a younger guy. Or you're playing on a postseason team and you're looked at as the good student. Like, hey, you've done a really good job. You've got us here. You've played really well. We also have to win these games. So now I go from being a, a B plus student to an A minus student. And now I go from making six million to seven million or whatever it is. That's my biggest problem with this thing. And I think honestly, like, if you really want to do this well, it, it's going to upset some some teams that don't want to spend money. But I think that's a problem. And Scott Boris talked about that the other day that we can't have teams tanking. Um, you you have to let these guys become free agents earlier, you say, hey, this is what you make for the first three years. This is the amount of money you're making, no matter what. Like, you are you can't make more than $3 million. You can't make less than Major League Minimum, no matter how good you are. And then after that, you're a restricted free agent. Any team can sign you, but the team who you are with has the option to match. So if, for some reason, Wander Franco becomes a free agent in three years, um, the Angels say, hey, we want to give him, you know, seven years at $70 million, which is, you know, I'm just trying to make this easy. Um, the, the Tampa Bay Rays have the option to match. So if they want, yeah, we'll, we'll sign him to seven years, $70 million, and now the Rays get him. But that's the, that's the only way this is going to be able to work, where there's an option for these guys to leave, and there's an option for them to make money based on how well they've been. It gets them to free agency a little faster, yes, and that could be a problem. But it also gives them their chance to make their money. And it's still giving the team who drafted him a chance to re-sign the guy. And, yeah, you are going to have teams like the Yankees who are going to say, hey, we're going to give this guy you know, $250 million. Or the Dodgers, they're going to give him $250 million. But at the end of the day, like – they can only do that with so many guys. And there's elite guys everywhere. And we've seen what the Rays have done. They go and find guys um, no matter what. They trade. They could trade guys a little bit earlier. Like They will figure out how to still rig this system. I, I think at the end of the day, I think that, and this is a fairly easy concept to wrap our heads around, MLB needs to look after their players a little bit more. And it feels like, like I said earlier, you know, you take one step forward and two steps back. And this is exactly what I what I mean by that. MLB looks after looks after their players, yes. But do they they, they don't. Let's be fair. They they don't. I try I was trying to try to sugarcoat that, but they don't. They don't look after their players. They don't really care. It's all about making the money. And and that's fine. You know, it's a business. It still is a business, and I think a lot of people forget that. However, it's you need to look after your players. That's just, end of the day, you need to be able to pay your players fairly. It starts at the minor league level. You need to, I don't know. I don't know how to resolve it, but you need to look after your players more. That's just, at the end of the day, what it boils down to. So, lost in all of this, congratulations Shohei Otani on winning a silver slugger. I know we talked about that for five seconds. I don't think it was anything to be surprised about. He more then, you know, he, he very well so deserved that award. He's going to win the MVP as well. So, Nate, any final thoughts before we let everybody go? 
Uh, congratulations to the newest angel, Aaron Whitefield, uh, from the Minnesota Twins. They uh, signed him as a free agent the other day uh, from Australia, so that's kind of cool. Um, pretty good outfielder, super, super fast, probably a minor league depth guy, which is something that we need. But, um, yeah, great, great, great job by the Angels to go get some more offensive depth. We saw that that was a, a big need for us last year. We just kind of assumed some of these outfielders were going to be ready. It took them a little bit longer. Um, and right now, if you know, we started the year with all the young guys, with Upton, Trout, and then Marsh and Adele, I don't know who we're calling up right away. If, if you know, week one of the year, Upton goes down. So I, I, I really like this signing. I think that this is very much needed. Yeah, you know the Angels are going to need some depth, so I'm I'm all for that. I like it. Those those guys are always interesting. I'm always intrigued to see who they bring in on on minor league deals with spring training invites. So, guys, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you could subscribe wherever you are listening to it, give us a review, whether it's good or bad. Let us know how we can get better. Let us know what we're doing good. If we think if you think we deserve it, give us a five star review as well. So, give me a follow on give us a follow on social media on Twitter at talking halos you can follow nate on twitter at nate green 34 you can follow myself on twitter at jared underscore Tim's. wow i did that way backwards but we, we got it out we got it out so guys have a great weekend and we will see you guys on monday have a great rest of your day Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.